I want balls. And then, but but here's me. You don't want balls. I want balls. I want balls. Good morning and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Luck Luciano. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned in to the greatest show on earth. Our luck show coming at you from the Pico Youth Center in Santa Monica, California. Across from me, my co-host is Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, Southern Californian. Yeah, we are whipping it again. Come on! Come on, wake up! Yeah, you, motherfucker! Come on, I said wake up! Wait the fuck up. Come on. Come on. And on what? sound. What? Oh, blue eyes. Mr. Schwartz. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that is fucking perfect. Oh, I get nothing? Fuck the glitter bitches, man. Seriously. That's Fuck what you the get. glitter bitches, That's bro. what you get for fucking oh, with old blue eyes, Schwartz. Oh, Just, yeah. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds. Hey, Kwama <laughs> driving the tractor trailer pilot. Love. Hey, listen. Uh, just so you know, Schwartz was fucking with the uh, old blue eyes today, making jokes. Not about, true. Not true. Yep. Oh, not true. Yep. Dude, you know Schwartz is not fucking true. with you when he's like, oh, it's done in love, bro. Oh, nah, done nah, in nah, love. Nah, nah, ah, nah, nah, yeah, come nah, on. Not nah, true. Nah, 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 never, on. bro. Never. Tell the truth. All love, all I, tell love. the truth. I'm telling. All love. It's all, it is all love. And on visuals, it's Ali. Here he comes. Alibaba and the 43. Alibaba and the 43. Alibaba and the 43. You already know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ali on the visuals. Let's go. Hold on. Shh, everyone. Shh. Come into center stage right now with pasties on his nipples. Yes. Oh. I got that biggest Which camel has? toe I've ever seen. Bring it to It's yeah. a camel toe with the biggest bumpers you've ever seen. He's holding a camera with his vagina. Yeah. Here he comes. And it is Mike. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Big Michelangelo with the mangina. You know, I'm all over the place because Jumaha <laughs> told me so. So fuck it. It is what it is. Baby. It is a hard luck show, y'all. Check out the shutter Fucker. speed on his little fucking tuna trach. It's crazy. <laughs> 
Hey, yeah. that aperture is too open, bro. Come on. Oh, look at those hips. Mike Angela, you Mike. Hey, What's man, up, Mike? you know, that's why I got 20s in my pocket. Don't forget the tassels, man. The Come Prince on. of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Here is the captain of hell. Take it away, dude. Come on, boy. Come on, don't you know. I remember the words on this shit. Yeah, come on. Ella Fitzgerald, go. scat scat. It's Gilead Nonbolo Big Lux. Not everybody can do it. Hey, right. enough with the bullshit. Enough with the lies. Enough with the fucking materialism. You know what's fucked up is when the fucking. You get the, the Google. If you have Google, all of a sudden Google <laughs> Photos pops up. A thing like, oh. Uh, six years ago today, we put together a photo show, and, when there was like, and it pops up. And so what they you, show you. And well, if you hit that motherfucker, you're gonna be stuck there for a second because uh. it starts showing you all your photos from like exactly <laughs> oh, yeah. a year ago today. Yeah. But this one was like from like a while ago, and it was my kids when they were little, little kids, like my son holding my daughter. Right, it's dope. I got stuck on it there. Oh, for a second. Right. Anyways, hey, listen. This out on uh, Mike Angelo's intro. Hey, but it doesn't matter because check this out. Tell us about your adventure to the Tupac Museum with Mr. D. Go. Excellent, man. Excellent. We had a great time. Um, it was downtown um, right off of Olympic, and uh, it, it kind of loads in. The people view it in, they, they stagger an allotted amount of people through this exhibit. If that makes any sense. And it's kind of set up kind of like a maze. Where is so it? So it's down on um, uh, Olympic and Fig. Right there by LA Live. It's across right. from LA Live. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, you, you fucking, it was, uh, it was awesome. But they load you in and you go in stages at about 200 people. Load it in the front. And then they close it off, and you're now sealed in a section of this. What do you want to call it? Uh, it was badass, bro. So the first part was was a lot of large installation art, um, kind of like things built around some of his his tattoos and sayings and things that referenced him and gave some visuals to it. And then you walk into a room where uh, you're closed off, and it's a it's uh you you watch a, a video that's projected around you it's badass uh -huh. it makes you almost feel like you're there and has to do with a lot of uh tupac's poetry and he, not some poetry but tupac making a statement of who he was and what he was singing about Rick. what his expression was Rick. what it was all about is explained in this theater in like a moment if you know tupac and you really understand who he is in the music none of this is any surprise but, you know, and it warns you when you go in, hey, there's going to be some some pictures of um, of uh, lynchings and that, 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 yeah. And you go in there and it's like, and basically he's talking about his struggle as a black American. His, well, his black experience here in America is what he's talking about. And the unrest, well, his, and the uncertainty, and the, what? His mother, Afini, was a black panther. Yeah. All that. And, and they even get there. But... He, they have you go through this first room and see this video yeah. to set the stage of like where, what his objective was with his music, you know? Why? And it's really clear that like from the gate, he's sharing 
his experience and what he sees wrong with all of it. And until it's noticed and things change, I'm going to speak up on it regardless. Right. I'm going to speak. My job is to, to share that, you know, right. with yeah. the world, you know. And, right. and I don't care. And he, I'm a, if I'm gunned down and they put me down while I'm doing it, oh, well, this is what's up, you know. And <laughs> kind of sets the stage for bam. And then they start to tell you. What was really impressive about this thing was, bro, is they had probably walls top to bottom with uh notebook pages framed all of his real not copies of anything real and these are notebook yellow notebook white coffee stains fucking spaghetti stains fucking all scribbling the writing the little drawings doodlings dude they had fucking his layout of his albums and what order the songs they had full songs written dear mama and like the, the first copy, the second, like, all this shit. And I, like, took multiple pictures of a lot of that that I could take a look yeah, and read later. Cool, um, hey, they showed his progression. They had a room that starts all visually with music, videos, artifacts of him from an actor studying at the acting school. And it takes you through him playing with music, entering digital underground space, Apocalypse Now is independent solo career beginning, right? And it takes you through all of it. Hit death Row, and, and man, they break all that down. So the last part of it was his, it's an overall collection of his work, right? Makes sense? Oh, yeah. It yeah. was fucking, it was dope. Hey, so how does, how do you guys even plan that? Like Mr. D hits you and goes, hey, I'm going down to the museum. Jeffrey hit me up and... First off, Jeff is is Mr. D's manager. Jeff, those guys kind of looked at me. Jeff is always hitting me up about Tupac. As my listeners know, I had a store called Supermax on Melrose in in 91, 92, and beginning of 93. And, you know, a lot of big artists came into that store, and Pac was a customer, and we knew each other on a first-name basis. And uh, How tall was he? He was like, 5'10", five, 5'9", five, somewhere right. in there. Yeah, you know? He might have been a little bit shorter than that. To be he honest. would just come right into Yeah, the... he was He was more like 5'8". Five, five, he would just walk into the store? Yeah, he'd walk in. There were no body, nothing like rolling with him, dude. He'd walk in and he'd be there with like... A couple of times he was there with a couple of his buddies from, from Outlaws, from his group. Yeah. Um, and there was another time where he was with just a couple cats I didn't know. And like I was just rolling with them, and, and he would just look at were. shirts. No, They'd just come, be like, "No, he come in." No, he'd, he'd be intent when he come in on that he wanted to get some gear. He knew what our store carried. Got it. So he'd come in. We had a, all the licensed pro gear at Supermax. Got it. For, uh, every college and every protein, everything. You know, right? So and and at this point in time, collegiate teams like North Carolina and Penn State and these are big, Georgetown, oh, huge brands. Hoyas are huge, huge, huge. Right. And so he'd come in wanting Georgetown shit, but he'd right. Be like, I mean, the first time it was just an exchange. Hey, what's up? I reckon. I reckon he knew. What's up, man? Da da. Introduction, and he bought Dicky overalls. <laughs> Bumped. The next time he comes in. He gets a Georgetown batting jersey that he saw Snoop wearing in a video. Right. Right? He's like, he comes in and he gives me a matchbox full of fucking bomb dank dankest bud. And he's like, that's you. That's you, G. I'm like, cool. 
But this is like, you guys got to remember, this is Tupac, and he's still Tupac, but he's not the sensation. Yet. Like, to me, it's right. he is, but um, this is like around Tupac and Tupacalypse now type, right? And Was that so, before or after Poetic Justice? Before. Uh, before. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, the, the third exchange that me and him had, this all leads back to why I'm telling you this Tupac thing with Jeffrey. Right. Is... Uh, came in and and he was rushing around dude and he was like yo yo you got you got weed and i was like yeah 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 and he knew what what i did you know he knew what i was doing and uh and i'm like i got but i go i got i got dubs and he's like oh, i'll take give me all your dubs that you have uh, we got like eight or nine of them he's like bring them and i remember i i i pulled him out it was like seven or eight dubs and he threw me down he threw me down like 300 dollars Something you know, like extra. It's like an extra C note he threw on it. Yeah, and we're just like, that's good looking out, Lux. All right, and that was the last time I saw him. Wow, you know. Hey, uh, did any- and so Jeffrey was like, always, he's always on me for like, what was he like? Yeah, and, uh, that's that, what I want to know, the, man. You know, uh, um, and so he yeah. said that he thought that by me and Mr. D going down, he's like, right. yeah, dude, go down there, bro. Let's like talk t- about some stories of Tupac and share a little bit. Yeah, did, you know? man. So I think it was more like. Having that's Jeffrey D's manager, Mr. D's manager, looking out though for D. He wanted for D sure. to have like an experience with a guy like me who actually interacted. Right. He wanted all that though for D. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. But 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 thought when, it would be beneficial when Tupac. Okay, I mean, let's not fucking bullshit ourselves. When Tupac walks into your supermax store and you're up in there right can you tell like does his charisma come through immediately absolutely like there's people that have that energy i know that you hear about it but he's one of those guys that like i have to tell you bro he might have been more like five seven i mean five five nine five eight dude. right he was not it wasn't a big, a big dude guy. okay right and but he carried himself like he had that energy, man. Like, because yeah. like you see him in pictures and you see him in movies, and it might be like it, the movie itself might be good or bad, but he's got some kind of energy. But let me just say this: No, no, Go no. Ahead. Let me say this. I'm gonna say this. Do it. He, this dude, first off, is smart, bro. He is a smart dude. Yeah. The first time he came into the store, he came in and he was slow and quiet. And pausing and looking and taking it all in. And then when we rapped and talked, and he's in there and rapping to his boy. Yeah. He had loose up everything like right. that. The next time he came in, he came in like he owned it. Right. Yo, what's right. that? You know, like, you know what I'm saying? He even brought some bud in for me. He didn't. Now, maybe he didn't know he was going to give it to me or whatever. But he came in and was like, what's that? Like, and he had that type of energy. So he knew, like, in, in the initial phase, not he's to come in. Stab- a- That's what I'm telling you. Not assuming anything. Then once it's set that the mutual respect, blah, 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 he can come in next as a And he came in and kind of saw, and there was somebody there with me, and he he assessed the whole thing, you know? But he knew how to go about it, you know? Right, of course, man. Um, And he was, and he was fun, he was cracking jokes the whole time. Right. The whole time with his buddies. Right. And um, I'd have on... Uh, I'd have on like music playing, and it could be anything. And you, you might have like a badass like R. Kelly song or something right. in the middle, like some R. Like, it could be right. anything. 
And like he'd be like, you know, uh, he'd be dancing around or like having a whole bunch of say about different songs popping uh, on. Dude, while he's his, in the store. his oh, I love this shit. I remember. And um, his and try on shit, dude. He'd try on a bunch of shit, app one after another, like quick. Throw it on, jump in, pull it off, throw it on. And I'd be like, dude, just leave this shit, dude. Like, and he'd be going through shit, you know. Right. Did he try to fold the shirt back up and put it back right, or he was like, no, nah, I'm too busy. The first time with one piece he kind of acted like you i'm like man leave that thing dog and, and he's like okay and then he just right 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 um and uh and he fucking pulled off some tags on so he pulled off a tag off of something he left tags on some other things but i remember him he put on a fucking shirt and pulled out the price tag and everything it was like he wore it out the the Georgetown fucking bandages. Yeah, yeah. Boy, that shit right out of the store. Man. Yeah. So, all right. So, Jeff was just trying to set up an experience for Mr. D, yeah. right? And the so, connection and the whole right, thing. Right, man. Then, yeah. But, so then, I mean, so what? I mean, is there a gift shop at the museum? Yeah, like at, at the, the end, they have stuff and people are buying get, it. And they, <laughs> you don't that? get anything. You pay for something. Of course. Oh, I bet. But yeah. I, I wonder what kind of cool-ass fucking shit did there they There was have? a bunch of stuff like that. Limited CDs. They had these little fucking cassette tapes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a license shit. It was nothing right. special, but right, right. Mr. D and and Jeffrey's daughter, who came with us as well, they got stuff. They stayed back in line. It took them another thirty minutes because they wanted to stay and be in line to get stuff. Right. And me and D hung out. Uh, me and um and Jeffrey hung out outside and waited for him. And by the way, you guys. Yeah. I will get the exact address. It's on Olympic, and it's directly across from the LA Live uh, uh, 15 theaters, or there's the AMC, like 16, 21, I don't know how many theaters. It's right on Olympic at LA Live. Right there on that corner, there's a, there's a taco truck, and they serve sopes. Bro... I've never and, and when they serve it to you They serve it to you With the piece of lime and salt Right And the creme I, I mean like legit legit Dude me and Jeffrey Ordered them right there And ate them And it was I gotta tell everybody My listeners listening right now Probably one of the best things I've eaten in my entire 50 plus years of a life That's a heavy One of the yeah. best That's things I've heavy, ever ever eaten That's was a heavy last statement week, bro dude. That's a heavy fucking statement so, Yeah I'm talking about right one of the best there. things I've ever touched or put in my mouth Was down there This sope <laughs> And it was fucking like that And the consistency was It jumped down your throat bro <laughs> I mean, threw the fork to the side <laughs> and just squeeze the plate like a kind of like a and let it like <laughs> empty like, oh you know, like a tractor Eey. into my mouth. Right. You know, like man. Awesome. Yeah. I want to go there right now. Seriously. You down? <laughs> yeah, let's go hey, after. So 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 anyways, that was good. D. The crazy thing is, guys, and you know this, Chumon. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> let's not let's let's not pull, pull any any shit, dude. Right. Let's get down to it. Was that it? Uh, no, that. Mr. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah! You found the truck. It's, it's right called there. Taco Super Galindo. Yes, man. He found it. That's the truck, dude. Yeah. Meanwhile, everyone else was looking. Hook. Everyone else was looking for the Tupac stuff. Sean's like, I gotta <laughs> dude, figure out what, sope, where's dude. the sope at. The man. best in the I world, bro. Fucking around, dude, bro. Crazy. I can't I wait. Salt, Listen, man. what I'd like to do is I'd like to do a hard luck show from this place and really fucking go to town on that food. 
Yeah, their truck's unreal. All right, so. No, uh, but, you know, we, it, dude, Old Blue Eyes is real fucking serious about his motherfucking food. This guy right here doesn't. We can go there. We should do a show from this place. I want to eat a, a couple sopas. Dude. So, all right. So, so okay. But so what were we talking about? I don't yeah, even yeah. remember, bro. Oh, you lost your mind. Mr. D. Mr. Yeah. D, let's, let's, let's cut, cut this. Cut the shit. Let's cut Thank the shit. Sean, let's get down to it. Mr. D's cadence, his flow. Right. Right. He aspires in many ways, whether it's conscious or unconscious. The kid's got a flow that is what do you we say? Reminiscent. Similar, reminiscent. There's a pock vibe. Pog, There's man. a pock vibe. And and so much so, I am that might be the attraction that I like him so much. That I that Yeah, but he he, he does dope. have an energy too. Like Absol- even when he's not yes. right. Absolutely. He man, dude. And the other thing is that he's not just a rapper. He's not just a rapper, man. Uh, Mr. D is all of it, dude. I think. Right. He's an act. He's all of it. Bro. Right. Dude, I pa- saw him holding like that was. Uzi, man. Just like Pac like, was. Right. So I don't know, man. I I, I, I gotta tell you guys. I gotta again, tell man. you dude, that kid, I, I, that Mr. His whole team, I love, but I'd say Mr. D, man, that is a a really special young man. Hey, you know what, man? This is what I'm trying to figure out. And this is what I'm trying to create, like, for Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds right now. Is it's like, that was a, that to me, that was a missed opportunity. That was a missed opportunity. What is? What? The fact that you went to the Tupac Museum with Mr. D and Jeff, mm-hmm. right? Like, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, well, they didn't have a film crew or nothing like that. So I'm like just that. saying, like, it's a missed opportunity because I'm thinking about our 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 supporters and even me, right? I want to know. I want to be in the. I want to be with you guys. I don't even need to say anything. I just want to see what does it mean. You got you know, kind of like one world and another world, kind of similar, but time, a little bit of time apart. Coming to the Tupac Museum and the Sope and the whole experience. I don't know what, what Weed and Jeff, uh, Mr. D were on, but I'm sure they were on some because <laughs> those dudes be high as fuck. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, it would be dope. I, how long was that? Hangout or whatever you want to call it. How long? Couple was hours. Right. Couple hours. Bro. Yeah, they like to get their. That they're for real smoking. Dude, I know it was not like not like my man Burn or Be Real, but they're not like that. Well, you but gotta, they're, you gotta we, walk. That's before. the whole other thing. Yeah, so when I say that they're, I don't mean guys like that. But these guys are serious about their smoke. Like right. Smoke. So oh, the hell from the 818, man. Yeah, so, hey, go. by the way, big Love shout it, out to the 805. They've been hitting me up all the time. They're like, we up in here in Ventura everywhere. We love the hard and work now. We actually have a rapper from the 805 coming through soon. Okay. Oh, do we? Excellent. Yeah. Is his name, does it, is it initials K and S? Body Bag Ben. Okay. Body bag right. ben. I thought maybe okay. it was King Salmon. He's up in Ventura. Hey, um. So. Oh, but my point is, it's like, so like in my mind, I'm like, like, bro, man, we could, Brother, I, we man. could have like had like an experience where we could have like captured the sounds and the fucking visuals of like you guys going through. Because, I mean, dude, how can we fix that for next time? I don't know, bro. I don't know, man. You got to well, call need up a film uh, crew to follow I'll, I'll, him twenty four seven. Dude, what we no, need, events, you though. need to wear like everyone you a hang GoPro. out with. No, like GoPro. a no. <laughs> and like hey, a, uh, an antenna with the growth. Right, we need uh, like, me, right? Like, and like your clothes are all like a green screen, <laughs> right? And then we got Ali and about like eighteen dudes walking around, and like Sean with a boom mic, like picking right, up mm-hmm. like natural sounds. <laughs> In the like, background, right? Exactly. We need all of that. Like it would be cool. 
cool too because it's like I feel like that that right there might have been like if it was a couple of hours that would have been a cultural phenomenon because it's one thing to go see Tupac he's cultural and it's cool and he did a lot of shit and yeah there was a um, there was a, a real artist a real message um, coming through that guy right Absolutely. but then on top of that to have real citizens of this area and people who may have interacted with him and then also it being different generations yeah. and all that whole piece that was, that's almost in my mind like a fucking piece of art that just didn't it just got left there and it's cool because it's mysterious a little bit right now everybody can imagine it in their mind but I'm like thinking like Man, so like, did you meet him there? Like, did you guys all roll in the same thing at Hotbox? Like, you know, like, how did it? How did it go? Like, oh, well, I'm. They all met. We all met down there, right? And uh, I, they, had, he had told me like the weekend before, so I was all getting down there on a Monday, right, uh, at six. But no, we we met down there and we just met in front and uh, chatted for a little while, and then boom. We waited in line to get in. Mm-hmm. It took a little while to get in. And in, in any chance that you guys are going to go to any other museums? Like, are we going to see you at the LACMA? Well, or you'll, like- you'll catch me at museums for sure. And and sounds like uh, they like to go to museums too. Oh, yeah, like so. the Tar Pits? Like the Hard Luck Show goes to museums? We go to- oh, no. <laughs> I used to love going there as a kid. Man. Did you? The tar pits? Oh, dude, if you grew up in LA, that's something that you either went there with school or with family. Like, you, sure. most people. Yeah. The last time I went to the tar pits, pits, like, I was excited because yeah, I'm like, woolly mammoth. Like, that's right. some cool shit. I want to see some dinosaurs, motherfucker. And then I went there and it was a little bit mm. depressing. Underwhelming? Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, this is kind of sad. It's like, you know, like a, like a, like a deranged taxidermist. The only thing up there is that motherfucking greenhouse. That's the only thing I'm looking at. <laughs> it always goes there. back to that, doesn't it? The greenhouse. Hey, but you want to trip out uh, to go up and roll down the grass hills over there. What's yeah. crazy is is that um, that there are tar pits in Los Angeles. A lot of people yeah. don't really Real. realize that, right? Yeah. And like, if you go to the beaches, have you ever been out the beach out here? And then and you, you get black shit all over your hands and feet. Yeah, yeah, and you're like sitting there like, what the fuck is that? And then it like takes two weeks, and you gotta yeah. clean it with gasoline because some tar just floated up. It's fucking insane. The Indians in the area used to use that tar to seal their canoes. And that's how they Smart. Fuck, They paddled around this whole area. That's why there's gas. Like if you, another thing that most people that don't live here don't realize is that L.A., like you could be anywhere in L.A. and see like an oil derrick just fucking pumping. Yep, right. Uh, right. Beverly Hills High School or whatever that is. Inglewood. Inglewood, man. Yeah. Like Dara Heights. Right. Heights. Yeah. What about that one off of Olympic? They got a they sure. they got an oil well right yeah. on the fucking school campus. Was like, fucking, yes, right, on Beverly Hills High. Yeah, and yeah. then they got like you know they tried to like make it look nice by painting flowers and shit on it or whatever. It's fucking insane, and that's how guys like I think like Doheny, that's how that money comes from is fucking Los Angeles oil money. Um, so it's just kind of interesting that that you don't really know that, and that's what La Brea means in Spanish. Oil, the tar. Oh. Oh, the tar. Right? Am I wrong about tar. that? No, you're they correct. weren't talking about the heroin either. So no, they were well. Tar tar pits. <laughs> right. Both look the same. Right. So that's interesting. So what was the biggest takeaway from you going back and taking a look at the legacy of Tupac? When you walk away from that, what's the real feeling that you're like, what did you come on? What were you really thinking about? God damn that you wish Pac was still alive. Mm-hmm. It's crazy really, how long really he's been dead, man. After that show, you're like, I, I was in there mad, bro. I ain't gonna lie. 
I'm frustrated with that one. Frustrating. Hey, that dude, um, I enjoyed just his act, what he was doing in life. Like his music and the type of films he was acting like, all that shit at that time was like, yeah, I, with the way he was moving, I was, you know, uh, I liked Pac, you know, a lot. Mm -hmm. And his music was second to none. Like, that was my favorite all-time rapper. And uh, so you get really reminded of the times and the shit. And then you get to up close through this, through this exhibit. Like, dude, here's the crazy thing about this exhibit. Mm. And I'm talking strictly from a fashion point of view. Okay. They have, like, his real outfits, they have them up, showing the pictures of when like he wore it. pictures. Oh, yeah, like dude. That. And when you look at a lot of his shit in these big posters of Carl Kanai, he wasn't on point. He was ahead for that time. Right. He was taking chances that other cats weren't at that time. And he was rocking the the... He he made Carl Kanai and motherfucking brands like that blow up, bro. He was like, he just knew, dude. He was playing with things that people are just figuring out, um, label and design wise. Yeah. Now, bro. And I'm not just talking about having some Gucci shades. So like this dude was on some other shit. He was, you know that all, all, all these all these all these cats that want to be front row at um, these fashion shows, mm -hmm. let me remind you of something. Mm. Mm. Remind you real quick, listeners. There wasn't some other cat there from the scene. It was Pac was the one that was first there. Think about what I'm saying. You know? It, Pac, you had, you had Easy e kind of in some stuff, but Pac was really like, that world embraced Pac. You get what I'm saying? Why, he why? never had to like go at them. Um, Why did Versace they and what, what about he was him? like the first dude to go around and be really really open open to it like think about like when he's wearing like you know you know $10,000 leather overalls you know right. what I'm talking about and yeah. shit like from designers in Italy that you've never heard of like on some next like he was on some shit dude and um he was really open to it, and he went there, and he was embraced by those people. So, like that, a lot of that, like that, what today, he was already on that, having Versace, you know, make him custom fucking shit, like directly, and um, and the, at that time, hip hop artists weren't really doing no, it. not they weren't, so. they weren't talking to the look at Juban, yeah, hip hop artists weren't talking to those people in real life. Barbecuing at their house or going to their fashion shows. Pac was. Does that make sense? Yeah. And when you go through this, you see it at a high fashion level. You see it at like a streetwear level because he was wearing con. He was wearing all sorts of streetwear brands too, and urban brands at the time with Carl Kanai and Polo. And like, yep. and you just see like his whole style. And kind of, yeah, it's just a trip, dude. So check this out. This 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 exhibit is set to be for about six months in Los Angeles, and it and it starts in January. And we're what the fuck are we now? February. Yeah. yeah so we're you we're looking at another four months, approximately, right? Want to go again? Two approximately. Want to go again? Two approximately. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I want to go. 
Um, definitely. Dude, we should go. Let's go. We should go again, and we should try to capture it this time and, like, say, like, this is where we're really going to go. Mike wants to go because he wants to shoot it all. Yeah, Big Pig Mike. Come on, bro. For sure, man. Will I'll you do some there. scat? Like, if we get in there, will you do some some old man Carruthers, scat Carruthers Whatever stuff? Whatever you want to do, right. Big I, I love it. I just think with Pac, man, I mean, that guy worked so much, Dude, and yeah. he's been gone for so long. Like, we were fucking robbed of so much more work so much more content what he well, says is so true bro is yeah. like the amount the body of work do you know how much music still not released oh did when you look at just the pages on the walls of the he one thing people always say about Pac was his the his working his uh his work ethic his work ethic you're right this dude didn't stop bro right well, people right. talked about him working like he almost like he he's like I got to get everything out because he didn't think he was long for it. Right. Well, right. Like, right. so right. I'm reading the book um, uh, by uh, Michael Eric Dyson, right? And he's got this whole thing on Tupac, and I'm reading it right now, and it's a lot of different discussions with various rappers. His mother, and she's passed away since 2016, but he did a lot of research and interacted with a lot of different people to talk about who Pac, rediscovering Tupac. Not just like, we, we, we know kind of like what we know from whatever we see, but also the Black Panther roots. People don't know that having the last name Shakur right. in those circles... For the FBI, that's like that's like having the last name Bin Laden for those folks, because those people, they were serious about uplifting blacks and changing the whole fucking economic and landscape. And real terrorists too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So he goes into all of that, and he's also talking about what is the meaning, and also wrestling with like, uh, like you were saying, like on the one hand he's an artist, on the other hand. You know, he's bought into some things, maybe, but but it, and it's not full-fledged, like, um, um, black American struggle in the sense, but he doesn't also, he doesn't give up that discussion, but he doesn't also want to be pigeonholed with all that, right? And, and who is he? And I kind of like what Schwartz said is, like, you know, I, he's, Dyson's point is, like, maybe had he been given a little bit more time, he would have found even a further or a more developed and of, of what all of this was eventually going to mean. The thug life aspects, the, the, his arts background, like he loved Shakespeare. Um, his mother, like he loved his mother, but he wasn't also shying away from the truth about her drug addiction and how it impacted his life. Like all of that stuff really to me speaks to everybody's experience, which is like, man... Like, there's some really amazing things, and then there's also some fucked up shit, and how do I put this together do so that it makes sense? Go ahead. Like Tupac living? Do, do I see that real? Do you, do you see that ever? Like, do you see that has been ever or could have been a possibility? That's a, Tupac being an old man? It, it's a good question that you're asking. That's a good question that you're asking. I'm going to tell you what I think. I mean, I, think I can already you're tell. A black but, man. Right. That with that much energy, you better be real careful, bro. Yeah. If you're a black man that's got that many people listening to you, yeah. you better be real careful, man. Especially when you're and crossover. A hundred percent, bro. Right. And more than likely, 
when they whack your ass, it's going to be from your inside people so that it's never detected it coming from the outside. That's how deep they're working. Well, listen. I believe that shit, Listen. Like, no, 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 no. We had it on here with the Unlock the Box series where the the everybody said essentially, like, when the 60s hit and were you, uh, are you... <laughs> Will you please zip your pants back up, yeah, Big Mike? Ju- that's what I just did. I had to adjust myself. All right. Yeah. Airing it out. But, dude, you're <laughs> fucking heat waves. I know it's like upper lip. The thing of it is, is, like, the thing of it is, is that we had to unlock the box where they talked about the 60s. And there was this um, a black m- movement on the outside and a brown movement on the outside. And then, you know, the FBI, LAPD. All those folks came in to infiltrate and break it all up. Similarly, what happens inside prison, right? They didn't want it all, everyone yeah. collectivizing or whatever. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And, you know, when we went through Labyrinth, whatever episode that is, man, we should have just some fucking geek whose whole job it is, is whenever I, I reference one of our episodes, says like, yeah, that episode 49, so we can tell the goddamn audience. But... When we talked about Labyrinth, right, we went through that whole thing, the Biggie Smalls and whatever. One of the things that I was tripping out about was how much the LAPD was involved in uh, death row and working around as bodyguards and security off hours in all of that and how caught up they were in everything that went down. So when you say, Big Lux, like a dude that's got that much reach, better be careful. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't even know why. I don't even know why LAPD is allowed to work off hours in hip hop venues and clubs. Like, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Like, yeah, maybe hip hop. Maybe those artists little, in that uh, world shouldn't be hiring them. Right. But maybe those artists in those worlds get extra favors if they do. Maybe so. You, you know go. what I mean? Like, I I sit there and I th- I think about that and I'm like, hey, man. And some of these dudes, hey, bro, yeah. some of these dudes talk all that talk and they want cops around. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Oh, that makes man. them feel safe, man. They'll hire straight ex-cops. Then they're like, oh, nobody's going to fuck with me. Right. My security's a cop, XLA. Like, so Yeah, but you, 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 you don't think went, Chief Parks and all those motherfuckers... Uh, Get briefings when those cops come back and be like, "So what's going on?" Hell yeah, they do. Conflict. They're all talking. Those are all. They're all still buddies, right? And everything's intel with those guys, whether they're on or off the clock, bro. Remember who you're dealing with, right? Right, dude. And we were just and listen, I can't remember who it was. Mix Master Mike Chicano eighty five. Whoever the fuck you are, thank you for reminding me. Oh, Andrew Ramo, Andrew. Anyway, that dude said, "You guys, we're gonna do Christopher Dorner story." Yeah, we were. We were until Ukraine exploded. But the thing of it is, is right. Christopher Dorner is the same situation. That that blue mafia, right? LAPD, which is like one of the most infamously, notoriously infamously corrupt and incompetent Hmm. forces out there. Hmm. Christopher Dorner tried to tell his superiors that his training officer was using 
force on a guy that was suffering from a mental disability, kicking him in the face. And when he made that report, whatever he knew, whatever was going on, because you got to remember, LAPD, when, 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 when he, that manhunt, was a, that was a shit storm. I remember. They shot up those two Latin ladies right. that were. Just thinking he might be. It wasn't a truck that was even close to the same make, model, no, or even color. Those execution teams out. Those were hit squads. Those they were, weren't trying to no, bring they, him to nowhere. <laughs> they were trying to kill him. Somebody mentioned it, and I can't remember where it was, but they were like, they sent out all those like supposedly security details on like 40 different people in the LAPD that could be targets to Chris Dorner, right? And they were like, why didn't they just bring them all to the same place and then just have them there under one security detail? Why did they have bands of security detail? It was the most inefficient, weird way to protect a group of people that were under threat. Normal circumstance, you would bring them all together like at the police headquarters or have them in one location. And then you could just like have a couple of officers keeping an eye on them instead of sending out these hit squads under protection detail that riddled that truck. Right? With a hundred bullets? Hmm. They fired on an old Latin woman and her daughter delivering phone books or whatever the fuck it was, shot up their truck with a hundred bullets. The mother uh was shot in the back because this old mother, this 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 comadre, she laid down over her daughter to protect her from the bullets. And they, I think, got collectively something like four to five million bucks. But they weren't the only people that got shot up uh, crazily. You've never heard of anything like that. Think about that. When the Night Stalker was running around doing his fucking crazy shit, you didn't hear about roving bands. This guy, that's why this guy knew something bigger than all that. But they wanted to keep him quiet. Like, there was some bigger reason they wanted that. I don't For think sure. it was just that. Right. And some people even question whether or not he even wrote the manifesto. Now, didn't he go and fucking take out a judge and some other people? So my understanding of the details of all this stuff is that so he told his so he went through the academy, right? And I've, I've I looked a little into the academy, and I was like, all right, what's the academy? What's the academy? And there's like a seven step process. One of those steps is a psych eval. That's one of the steps. They don't give you a gun until they check your fucking dome, right? They ain't going to just give it to anybody, but right. it seems like they do. Yes. Okay. But not, and it seems like they don't check any dome. Right. right. They make sure the dome is empty. So they, right, right. 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 But so they check everything on this dude, and they're looking for OCD, vendettas. Mm. He passes all that. So, so I'm kind of tripping on a little bit on the fact that, well, how come th- their st- seven-step process didn't catch this guy who wanted to kill cops, supposedly, right? So you have that. Then you also have, um, you have him getting out. When you get out, you get your training officer, like, right? You're on, you're on cop probation to a certain extent because you don't know what to do yet, right? It's kind of like colors when fucking... Dude comes out and the old old cop is like, let's just go down slow and fuck them all, right? It's like that. So, but his instead of like an older dude, he had a, ch- a lady, and they're partners and they're supposed to be close. And he confides in her that he's thinking about suing the LAPD for some racist shit. And then she, before he can do anything, puts out a complaint and says, "Oh, he didn't do so good." 
Uh, I'm writing a, re- an avowal, and he's getting a bad avowal. Then he's the after that said, you know what? The, you, oh, you're gonna do me like that? Well, let me tell the truth. Then you kicked this crazy guy in the face twice, <laughs> bitch. Right? Oh. Okay. Then when that happens, right now you got to remember, Chris Dorner is the same guy that found seven thousand dollars in a bag or something and turned it in, and said, I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to keep this. So you're dealing with a guy that would return seven grand in cash. It could never be traced to him. That's where he's at. And when they asked him, like, why'd you do that? He said, my mom always told me, like, integrity is the most important thing, and the military teaches me that. He was in the military, too, and did serve some time overseas. So when he tells this thing, right, they do an investigation, right, into, okay, well, did she use unnecessary force? When they do the investigation, the guy who got kicked in the face, and you can go on Google right now and find the fucking the report, the interview from the lawyer. And the guy goes, where did she kick you? And he like points to his cheek. Guy looks kind of like a really fat Latin Ray Liotta. Really? You look it up. And then he goes, right here. And so it's clear the guy himself is saying it. The dad, at the time he was arrested, reported to people that his son got kicked. That's what my son said at the time of the incident. Dorner says, yeah, that did happen. All the other officers that were there didn't see anything. <laughs> and so the commission did their thing, and they go, well, it's unfounded. We don't, we, there's no witnesses except the guy that got kicked. Then they went one extra step. Now, this is the part you never, this never happens. So, Chris Dorner, you filed a false report. Now you're under investigation, motherfucker. Hmm. Hmm. That's an extra step. It's getting done dirty. Now you're under investigation because you lied. Even though we've got witnesses than the guy himself who said I got kicked, right? I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, what you could say is maybe it's a wash, like, you know, there was some confusion, fog of war. But no, they went ahead and prosecuted him for lying on a fucking report and kicked him out of the fucking force. And that's what sent him over the edge. And he's like, well, <laughs> fuck me. Fuck me. Oh, okay. Fuck you. So in that, when they kicked him out, his defense attorney, and it wasn't an attorney, it was like an ex-commissioner or whatever, the LAPD, Quan, last name Quan, defended him. And they appealed it, the decision to kick Dorner out, and they appealed that, and it lost. Now, I don't know exactly the details. This is what I really want to spend some time looking into, but I couldn't. But Quan's daughter and her fiancé was the first people that Dorner killed. He shot those two. Wait, wait, wait. Back that up again. Back Go ahead. Up again. Go ahead. Say that part all over again. So the guy who defended Chris Dorner at the commission uh, investigation into whether or not he lied on a report that kicked him out of the LAPD, once he was gone and Dorner decided he was going to do what he do, he killed that guy's daughter and her fiance. The guy who represented him or the guy who questioned him? Guy who represented him. Quan. Wow. So, <laughs> so, so on the one hand, you look at it and you go, well, that, maybe that guy really is fucked up. Maybe Chris Dorner really is fucked up. On the other hand, maybe the guy that was defending him did him dirty. Right. Well, we don't know. We can't know because they burned his shit up up in Big Bear. Right. So then after that, 
he put in a manifesto and was like, yo, supposedly. I don't know if he really wrote it or not, but it was attributed to him as on his Facebook page. He's like, yo, let me tell you all the reasons why it's going down like this. And I know some of you ain't going to believe it because you know me as I'm a nice guy. Everybody was like, I, guy was like actually a really polite, interesting guy. But then again, they say that against about all serial killers. So you're kind of like, mm. But anyway, he, so he writes down, I'm only going after these certain people in the LAPD that I know about. And and then he actually sent to that fucking God, that guy, what the fuck at CNN, that fucking white haired dude that's on everything that everybody, Anderson Cooper? Yeah, that motherfucker, right? Mr. Likeability. Guy can't fucking boring ass motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. Sent him the Vanderbilt. A, yes. Yeah. Sent him a DVD and told him everything that was going on. Fucking put the manifesto up, and then he went in and did his thing. And I think on one of the, he was driving all around. He tried to jump on a yacht down in Newport or something like that, but he got the fucking. I mean, he might have been a good army guy, but he certainly wasn't no sailor because he got the fucking the line to tie the boat up all wrapped up in the motor, and it fucking wouldn't go anywhere. So he had to jump off that. He had to cancel that. <laughs> got back in his shit. And anyway, and some, at some point he was in Riverside, and I think that's where the two police officers were stopped at a red light, and Dorner pulls up and pops him right there through from his car to there. And there's like some taxi driver that was like, I saw the whole thing, and like, you know, what did I do, you know, and all that shit. Then he, they, he's, now they're looking for him. Now they're looking for this guy, and he, that's sort of when he starts. He just took out, did he? Kill one of their caps or not? He, oh, he killed the cop. Yeah. Point blank range sitting at a fucking stoplight. Okay. Passenger. I think the other one got hit, but I think the other one survived. And then he drives up to Big Bear, and they know that he's like whatever it is on that highway. And there's like only like one way in and one way out kind of bullshit. Yeah. So now they start closing the news. Now, everybody was on. Like, they got everybody about it. Every motherfucker with a gun and a badge that was anywhere within a thousand mile radius was deputized and ready to fucking get this guy. Right? It was like, so they circled him up and they like cornered him up. And he got into a cabin and just by dumb fucking luck, the owners of like, like wealthy people of multi-cabin fucking estates, right? They just happened to decide to go up one day to check some shit out, right? And so they go in, and down the stairs comes fucking Chris Dorner with a fucking gun. And they already knew who it was because they'd seen his shit on the TV. And they were like, ah, shit. And the, and the chick tried to run up the stairs and get away. She's like, nah. And he went up. Chris Dorner got him, brought him down. Now, he didn't fuck him up. He zip-tied him and put, like, pillowcase on her hair, right? And then he did some other shit and left to another cabin. These two jamokes, right, they fucking are tied up with a pillowcase, and they wriggle around on the ground get the pillowcase off their head, and they can't get the zip ties off. They don't know how to do that, but they're hopping all around, and she gets to her cell phone, and she can dial behind her back on a cell phone, and it's on speakerphone, and she's like, I was just Chris Darner, Chris Darner, and they fucking come and get him or whatever. And then another guy said that he was coming up in the snowbank, he, and he, he was just a regular dude, and he said... Out from behind a tree came Chris Dorner with a fucking assault rifle. I don't know. I just went I got the hell out of there. Right. He just so, kept on going like he didn't see him. So they caught, they, they, they captured him in, in another cabin. They knew he was in there, right? And then they, they, they did not. And they, I've never heard of this before, but all the airspace above the cabin, they 
told all the news choppers, you can't fly up over there. What? Yeah, they blocked all the airspace above the fucking... No. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They blocked it all up, son. And they, so all the choppers couldn't see directly over what's going on. And now you had... Like the sheriff just fucking surrounding this dude, right? And, and they had everybody out there, like, you know, like this is one of the most villainous guys we've ever come across in this government, right? All that, right? And then, so he's in there, and you know, they don't. I don't know what they do in terms of like hostage negotiation shit. Like, I don't know if they had a guy call him in and be like, listen, it's not worth it, pal. Let's just stop the madness. You, what, what do you want? You want us to order you a pizza? Let's just talk. You know, all that kind of bullshit that they try to do on TV. It's, I don't know what they did. They shot in what they called burners. Not that burner, right? But the burners. And those are tear gas things that, that, that flame up and burn. And it caught fire on the motherfucking cabin. Sure. And as the flames were rolling up, everyone says that they heard a gunshot go off and they weren't quite sure what it was, but they thought maybe Chris Dorner had killed himself. And then they found his fucking charred body up in there. It's not funny, Chumahan. Stop laughing. Right. So that's... <laughs> what I know, man. I can't yeah, help hey, Fucking barbecued him. So, yeah, with fucking... Uh, and they found fucking 130 bullets in him. Right. Yeah. Right. So... so I, bet you, I bet you that body wasn't publicly... Uh, 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 autopsy, huh? Uh, 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 bro. Uh, well, it's you the corner. See that? It's the coroner's decision. What do we know? It's just one guy who's like, man, you know what? I think I burned. I mean, what do you want right, to do? Right. Actually, I think a guy did do a report, and what? And, and I think he was trying to claim that, like, well, there wasn't. A, there was, he must have killed himself because we didn't find lots of smoke and char and chemicals down in his lungs, which is what you usually find with asphyxiation. But who double checks that? Like who's in charge of examining yeah. the examiner, right? Yeah. I was seeing them. I'm like, dude, if they're you gonna really- close off airspace. They're gonna they got everything figured yeah, out, right? And that's and then it's over, and then it's all she wrote, pal. And you can rise, man. See how that works. And then when you want to hit JFK and then get rid of the dude who did it, yeah. Every you know, sheriffs, marshals, you know, judge, like everybody's like they make it happen, dog. When it's time for you to go, you're going. Yeah, they got plans for that. Yeah. So it is interesting to think about what did Dorner know if he did anything? And what could it have done to the system in Los Angeles that they were that they, they, they didn't want it to happen? And why were the police acting in such a frenzy? Yeah. A real fucking frenzy. Yeah, they were. It was a real serious frenzy. Yeah, they were in chingas, you would say. Yeah. The, the L.A., they were in chingas. They didn't know what to do. Every, hey, remember, they were scared at first, too. Yeah, they were. They were nervous, dude. This dude had them shook. And, and, and not, to, you know, those are those are people that had nothing to do with it. That got, the first two, you said he got killed. Right. But I remember, I remember the news report when it happened. And they made that, they were like... This is all point, like almost all points bulletin. Right. This is a very dangerous, uh, dangerous uh, officer, cop killer. He's executed. Da, da, da. Yeah. Uh, walked right up into the street at their doorstep and exit. Like, just drove, walked up, da, 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 and he's got a hit list. And he's go like, they had it all. I remember that shit, dude. Hey, so. and check this out. 
None of that. That might you might be able to argue on the West Coast. Let's say you might be able to muster up an argument that maybe Chris Dorner was one of the most notorious cop killers of all time. Not associated with hip hop music at all. Never listened to Ice T. Probably. I mean, he wasn't a fan of N.W.A. So all that shit that they talk. You know, Ice T's cop killer, NWA fuck the police, body count, all that shit that they talk about. Well, that's just going to turn people into cop killers. No, it won't. Whatever Christopher Dorner was into, the LAPD and the military, that's what turned him into a cop killer, if it did. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, so we killed two birds with one stone. We talked about Christopher Dorner and Tupac. Do you know any. You yeah. know anything about? Sorry about that. Oh man, um, they're coming in hot, bro. Coming in hot. Yeah. Uh, hot. They did. Did those people ever get paid? Yeah, they, they I think. Yeah. So, the, dude, I fo- I watched a follow up on it too, right? So they they fucking got paid. They got paid, like I said, about five mil. And you talk to them, and, and they did an. Interview, I watched an interview from like a couple years ago, or maybe a year ago, and they're still crying about it. And the one woman, the daughter, she won't even show her face. She didn't even do anything wrong. She won't show her face. And the mother, bro, she looks like one of those strong-ass motherfucking mothers that's like goes to the church every day, and she ain't ever going to die. Like, when, you're gonna, like, she's strong, and she's kind of broken up. And she's like, she's like, you know, this fucked our whole life up, really. I mean, yeah, we got the money, and yeah, we're still here. But she's like... We don't go outside that much. We don't know when something's going to happen. She was like, you have no idea how terrifying it is to be in a car and have that many bullets come in and blasting up all around you. You think it's your last motherfucking day. It's real trauma. Yeah, that's real trauma. Right. In the end, by the way, they did investigations and all that. And they said, yeah, it was a case of mistaken identity. But given the circumstances, we understand what the police did. <laughs> of course. So how did they sue? The, I mean, they got civil, but the police didn't. Who pays the civil suit? Oh, L.A. County. Okay. L.A. City. The taxpayers. The police go out. They fuck shit up like they own the joint, and we pay for it, and we <laughs> thank them for paying for it. It's a great system. Then huh? they turn on us when we go, hey, can you stop killing us, please? Right. Like, okay. And then they turn on us like, oh, you ungrateful sons of bitches. All right, well, deal with your own crime then. Yeah, that's yeah. what's happening now. Say hello to homeless. Say hello to homeless. We're not dealing with it anymore. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, yep. Tupac. That's, but that's their fucking law enforcement policing bullshit. Yeah, that falling blue apart. Line. It's falling apart, man. Because it's bullshit. It was bullshit to start with. Facts. Hey, hey, it, it was uh, bullshit to, to start, start with. Hey, www.supermaxhardware.com. Pay us a visit. Oh. We got some new product coming. Also. Vibes Rolling Papers, Vibes Drops, and Cookies. Check us out. I want to give a shout-out to Oscar and Alex. Yeah. Pico Youth Family Center. Yeah. Thank you. I also want to give a shout-out to Esteban Oreo, The Soul Assassins, and uh, Pulpo. 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 Enzo's Pizzeria. Yeah. Hardluckshow.com. Yeah. Oh, and okay. Cosmic Demise. Check yeah, out Cosmic Demise. Keep an eye out for their skate contest coming up at Stoner Park. Right. You want to yeah. tell people about it? Hey, everyone has to walk around Stoner Park with a screwdriver, right? Yeah. And then what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Hey, so March 19, I'm going to be having a skate competition and a movie premiere of the new Cosmic Demise film that I'm currently filming and editing. 
So March nice. 19 at Stoner Skate Park. Wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ali, when's the movie premiering? At night. No, when, what day? On a Saturday, March 19. Okay, and it is now February 26, right? Yeah. Did so you just say you were filming it still? Yeah, I'm halfway done right now, <laughs> so I'm like on a rush. <laughs> all right, okay. So, all right, so Ali's on a rush, dude. And that's what gives the film energy, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. brother. Uh, All right, man. Uh, well, let me know. Say hi to Sleepless Nights, my brother. You're going nice to be there. pulling some all-nighters, huh? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. That sounds good. Hey, listen. Avonda Bowen, LLP. If the cop shoots up your truck, hit us up, bro. We're going to get you paid, motherfucker. We're going to get you paid. Yeah. Shout out to Cool Jewels. Shit up Ooh, yeah. out cool Jewels. Yeah, cool. Oh, shout out Wait, to what? Cool Juice. <laughs> cool Juice. Cool juice. Yeah, hey, hey, I want to give juice. a shout out to Cool Juice, man. For yeah. real. All around the world. Word. Let's do it. Um, you, oh, Sean at Move Media. Uh, what is it? Move Media Mental. Hey, Move Media Malcolm X. What? Move Media oh, Mental. I'm afraid of the boogeyman. Who's the boogeyman? You figure it out. I'm confused because I never went to school. In Toronto. Hey, hi, guys. You know me. Steve Spiros. Easy going. Goodbye. I don't know. Uh, I'm from Humberside. I had it. I'm going to die. How can you die when you're dead? I'm a nobody. You understand? I'm not going to raise my voice. And I'm going to wear my sunglasses that night. You know why? Because women show their tits. They use the cross and they went like this by not smiling at me. I don't understand. You see, when you go like that, Right? You have a cross, two sticks. Where are right? the bums? There's no bums here. Pool ball! Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.